around the world, engineers and architects, constructors and owner-operators are using Bentley software solutions to design, build and operate the infrastructure that sustains our economy and our environment, including integrated applications and services built on an open platform our solutions enable digital workflows across engineering disciplines and distributed project teams from the office to the field. And today, leverage digital twin technology to help solve the most complex of engineering challenges. Together, we are advancing infrastructure. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Engineers Collective. I'm your host, Rob Horgan, and joining me today is Krishanti Carefree. Krishanti leads Arab City's advisory and economics business across the Northwest and Yorkshire. Chris is an MBA qualified chartered landscape architect and chartered town planner. She has worked in the private sector for the last 14 years, delivering strategies for economic impact across regeneration, clean energy, renewables and advanced manufacturing sectors for local, regional, devolved and national governments, as well as the private sector. Welcome, Chris. Nice to have you with us. Hi, Rob. Nice to be here. Thanks for having me. No worries at all. So today we're going to be focusing on Operation Humber and Arup's role in devising the strategy. From my accent, you probably can't tell that I spent four years living in Hull, um, but I did. And uh, I'm all too aware of the challenges facing the region, and I'm particularly interested to hear what is being done to address those. But before we take a trip down memory lane, Chris, perhaps you can explain to us what Opportunity Humber is and how it came about. Yeah, sure. So, um, back in 2011, um, the, I think Cameron administration, um, set up these organizations called local enterprise partnerships, which was kind of designed to represent a region, um, and focus on economic priorities, undertake activities to encourage growth, economic growth and the creation of jobs. And there were a couple of local authorities or quite a few local authorities nationally um, who were in two LEP, so local enterprise partnership areas. And this applied to the Humber councils. So East Riding of Yorkshire Council on the North Bank was in the York and North Yorkshire LEP. And then the North Lincolnshire and North East Lincolnshire councils were on the South Bank of the Humber Estuary, um, were in the Greater Lincolnshire LEP. And then with Hull City Council, and um, these four local authorities were also in the Humber LEP. Um, and in 2018, the government said, look, you need to pick which LEP you are in. And this resulted in the dissolution of the Humber LEP at the end of March 2021. And the business community in the Humber, I think, saw the Humber LEP as um, really effective. Um, they represented the functional economic area of the Humber. And they were seen, the Humble App was seen as providing that kind of single line into government, advocating for the region, um, rather than just like the North Bank or the South Bank of the Humber Estuary. Um, and so it felt, the business community felt that there was still a need for that business led voice in the region who could offer kind of strong leadership, attract investment. Um, and that's where Opportunity Humber was born. So, the kind of remit of the board is to kind of strengthen the region's capacity to attract investment across the UK and beyond, create that kind of single voice into government um, and provide a vehicle to support the delivery of a pan-humber like economic priorities list, kind of drawing in the leadership, advocacy and problem solving um, from some of the key 
international and national businesses um, that are based in the Humber. So that's how it came about. And of course, it was mentioned in the Leveling Up white paper, um, which is probably um, why we're having this conversation. <laughs> yeah, of course. And um, in terms of the obje- objectives of Opportunity Humber, what was it um, looking to achieve sort of specifically? So I think it's bringing together those senior stakeholders um, with investment responsibilities in the region um, to kind of lobby and advocate for the Panhumba region. You know, um, the Tees has um, a strong mayoral presence in Benhausen. Um, and I think the Humber realised to fulfil its economic potential, certainly the business community realised, that they would need to have that single voice as well. And that that will leverage kind of benefits for the region, get the interest of government, um, and kind of bring together that coordination and collaboration with local authority leaders um, and businesses kind of across the geography. So providing that coordinated approach to channel um, spend of funding, but also attract that inward investment that the region really wants to attract. Mm. In terms of the makeup, how, how does how does that work um, and, and what's Arab's role uh, within that? So Arab's role within um, Opportunity Humber is that we're part of what we anecdotally call the engine room. Um, so we're the people that do the stuff. Um, so if there are board papers that need drafting, then myself and my colleagues will propose that. If there's actions that need to be taken, for example, one of the things that we're working on is kind of defining what Opportunity Humber is doing because um, clearly there's a lot of activity in the region already and I think very much this board is seen as supplementing not supplanting existing so um, what we're trying to do is strengthen through strong leadership um, of the board members of Opportunity Humber existing activities in the region and there's a lot of great work being done by people but what Opportunity Humber's membership is slightly different is that they are the CEOs of international um, companies. This isn't kind of an officer-led membership. This is kind of the really senior people and who have that kind of profile and ability to leverage their kind of status for the benefit of the region. Mm. And and do they tend to be in agreement in what the region needs or are there some quite uh, diverse sort of thoughts between them? I think, <laughs> I think, yes, generally everybody is in agreement of where the region needs to be. I think what we're still working out the detail of is how we actually get there. And I think that might take a couple of months. I don't think it will take too long, but certainly all the partners are aligned with where the region needs to be. And also are really enthusiastic about the potential that the region has. Um, because there's an awful lot of exciting things happening in the region. So mm. details to be defined, I would say, but um, strategically um, very aligned. Yeah. So so talking about the region there and uh, looking at the region, obviously I'm familiar with it. Potentially quite a few of our listeners might might not be familiar with the Humber. What, what are the specific mm. sort of challenges and, and opportunities facing, facing the Humber? Yeah, sure. So... Um, The area has a history of traditional manufacturing and heavy industry, such as chemical processing, steel manufacture. 
But the region has some really challenging metrics across its socioeconomic indicators. For example, there's lower job density than across the UK, higher than average claimant count, so kind of benefits, that type of thing, universal credit, and lower than average people educated to degree level or in a professional occupation compared to the UK, the rest of the UK, sorry. But what perhaps is the most significant metric, I think, um, and will probably resonate most with your listeners, is that the Humber Industrial Cluster emits 37% of UK carbon emissions. So if we're to get to net zero, we have to decarbonise the Humber. And to give a comparator, I think the Humber and Teesside are often lumped together as kind of quite big carbon emitters in terms of their industrial cluster. Um, but Teesside's emissions in 2019 were around 9%. So almost 30% more carbon emissions come from the Humber. So we need to like decarbonise and level up the Humber. So that's the new buzzword for addressing inequality. Mm. Um, but there's still a lot of innovation happening across the region, such as in hydrogen, offshore wind, um, operation and maintenance, as well as blade manufacture. There's train manufacturing. Um, so the Humber's a really exciting place to be for kind of economists and planners like I am, because it's got these two kind of big societal challenges that it's kind of solving coterminously. So there is low carbon and major infrastructure projects happening at a time that also brings highly skilled new green jobs. Um, So it's kind of addressing that socioeconomic angle, but also like new engineering jobs. So it's a, it's a really exciting place to work. And I really enjoy working in this area. So it's looking at op- Opportunity Humber, how is, uh, how is that different from other regeneration schemes that are perhaps around now or have been around in the past? Yeah, so I think it's a new model for regeneration. So I think, um, you know, we're all very familiar with kind of a regeneration scheme, which involves a capital project and we build something new. But what perhaps hasn't been done in this way before is bringing together kind of senior leadership from the private, public and academic sectors to work on skills, innovation, inward investment and business growth. I think it's been regeneration has been seen as maybe a local authority priority or an individual building or an individual geography. But this is looking at kind of a pan-humber geography and it's looking at how you can bring together different sectors, so public, private, academic, to leverage the best for the region. And I'm not sure that that I mean, there will obviously be cases where that has been um, delivered before, but perhaps not on this scale um, and perhaps not with the level of support which we have from the government um, to kind of trying to use this new model. So you, t- you touched on it a little bit already, but um, what sort of schemes or sectors is Opportunity Humber looking to support? Yeah, so... Um, It's kind of skills, energy, innovation, those types of sectors. I mean, it's really early days for Opportunity Humber to talk about specific projects, but um, a lot of the members are concerned about being able to achieve a local, locally skilled and resilient workforce for future projects that they may have. So there's an interest in 
in skills and engineering skills um, to deliver these big projects. Um, many of the board members are doing really innovative projects Sorry, in low or no carbon sectors. So uh, the Humber is home to the East Coast Cluster, which is a collaboration between Net uh, Zero Carbon Humber and Net Zero Teesside and the North Endurance Partnership. And this is around how both regions can decarbonise. So a lot of the Opportunity Humber members are, are keen to ensure that they have a skilled workforce to deliver on that decarbonisation agenda. So I think that they're kind of the areas that Opportunity Humber will be looking um, to support. Mm. So, so is there anything that it, it wouldn't do, anything obvious, or is it sort of nothing off the table at, the, at this moment? I think there's nothing off the table at this stage. I think what it wouldn't do is seek to replicate other things that are happening in the region, but actually seek to amplify and accelerate um, those initiatives. So, for example, um, there might be a project with five interventions that they want to pursue, but know that realistically they only have the resources to pursue the top two or three, that might be where Opportunity Humber kind of gets behind some of those other interventions that are needed to leverage the full benefits of that project or programme. Um, and they might support through leadership or conversations with government to kind of realise those full benefits for the region. So that's the type of way that that senior leadership input would be utilised. So direct conversations with government um, to raise the profile of the region and, and get them on to the top table. Hmm. So just taking a deep dive into, say, the energy sector in particular, um, I know you said it's too early probably to, to talk about specific projects at the moment, but could you expand on like the types of projects or schemes that um, could or would benefit from, from Opportunity Humber backing? Yeah, sure. So um, a lot of the members are involved in energy-led projects, such as Equinor, who's leading the Hydrogen to Humber project, which is to produce hydrogen from Saltend, and Siemens Gamesa are leading on the production of wind turbines. And I think Allstead and the Offshore and Renewable Energy Catapult are making moves for Grimsby to be the global centre of excellence for offshore wind operation and maintenance. And I think what Opportunity Humber will do is kind of make sure that there is government support for these projects and that could be in terms of support for consenting or support for uh, funding or that kind of thing to make sure that these projects are able to be delivered. So um, notwithstanding that with consenting there is a highly regulated industry um, and processes that need to need to um, be fulfilled but just making sure that the government is brought into these projects the community is brought into these projects um, and they're getting the kind of visibility that you would want them to have because these are really significant often new and maybe even first of a kind uh, type approaches and so I think demonstrating the innovation um, that's happening in the region with something that Opportunity Humber can kind of bring together in that consolidated single voice. Hmm. I assume that's uh, quite key in securing sort of government funding as well in terms of it being innovative and there's lots of innovative accelerator funds that the government seems to be rolling out. 
Yeah. Every, every couple of months at the moment. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, and there's been a lot of funding coming to the region through various kind of funding for, uh, various forms of funding. So there's obviously been the private in- investment through Beckett, Siemens, Drax, Philips 66 and Equinor. But there's also been a lot of public sector funding. So Grimsby, Scunthorpe and Gould all received in excess of £20 million from the government for their towns fund. Hulls received £20 million in levelling up funding. There's been £75 million um, from the government to bring forward the Able Marine Energy Park. Um, and there's £25 million on the table associated with the Humphrey Ports. There's been Future High Streets funding for Grimsby and Scunthorpe, kind of £27 million. And um, Catch has also invested £12 million in a new engineering and training facility. And whilst these sound like huge sums of money, I think to actually deliver on levelling up, addressing inequality and changing um, some of those socioeconomic metrics to to kind of raise aspirations and give people high quality jobs, these are more like catalytic amounts of money, which if invested correctly will spin out and will attract more inward investment and I think that's where Opportunity Humber can help making sure that these investments that the government is making through funding grants um, are catalytic and they don't just deliver those individual projects for which the funding was awarded but that actually that investment triggers a chain reaction of others wanting to invest in the region. So the town's fund money is for improving town centres, which will attract businesses because they would want their, they will be happy with their workforce kind of having uh, the Humber as their home so they can get that skilled workforce that they need to um, attract to deliver their projects. So this is where the kind of decarbonisation story meets with the regen story because you want to attract people and investment to the region and those things are linked um so on the face of it you might not see improving somebody's high street as relating to how we deliver decarbonization but actually it is through attracting labor force and that those skilled workers that you need to deliver on achieving net zero Hmm. so so in terms of those funding pots for the sort of specific areas in the humber would Opportunity Humber sort of submit its own bid for funds or is it going to be supporting sort of the ta- the council's bids uh, or a bit of both? I, at this stage, and whilst I've said nothing is off the table, I don't predict that Opportunity Humber would be submitting its own funding bids. Um, but I do think they would be supporters of local authorities' funding bids. And clearly it's quite compelling if you have a board of kind of 12-ish CEOs of national and international companies saying, yes, we support your application to do whatever it is. That's really compelling. Um, and it's that stakeholder engagement and stakeholder alignment, really, um, that Opportunity Humber can kind of bring to those projects to kind of, again, add to the weight of the need for those interventions for which local authorities are bidding for funding, that type of a thing. Yeah. Remind me again when Opportunity Humble was first devised. 2011, did you say it was? 
No, no, they were the laps. Um, so Opportunity Humber was last summer. Um, and we had our first board meeting in April. So it's really new. And in between that, Opportunity Humber as a concept, um, landed in the leveling up white paper, which was released in February. Um, so it's all very new, but we're kind of really excited to support this initiative as, as Arab. Um, because I think we need, you know, regen schemes have happened for decades. We, we all know how they work, but actually in some places, those socioeconomic metrics of deprivation and low skill levels haven't changed. And so we need a new model to deliver on the buzzword of leveling up, but the challenge of addressing inequality. And so we see this as something slightly different. That could be a way, and we're not saying that this is the only way, but this is a new and different model for governance. Because I think we've tried, we need to regenerate and we need to, um, kind of address inequality and the solution is a building. And, and that has some impact, but actually we need something slightly different because those socioeconomic metrics, deprivation jobs, what have you, aren't really changing. And so therefore you need to have a new and fresh approach. And I suppose Opportunity Humber brings together different partners from different sectors and the best of those partners to have that kind of mission oriented approach um, of we are going to transform this region and we are going to bring new jobs and attract inward investment and all partners are pointing in the same direction. And I think it's often been kind of the local authority is pointing in one direction and developers might point in one direction, but have they all come together to kind of work together for the benefit of a region rather than the benefit and of, of an individual local authority or an individual business? Maybe, maybe that's done less frequently. Mm. So uh, obviously still quite in its infancy i guess opportunity mm. humber but what what's what comes next i guess what's what's in the next few months the next year what's the hopes aims yeah. what needs to be done to get there yeah so i think um we need to kind of work on our government governance and the mechanics of how and what um and then get together kind of a list of activities so i think a prospectus for the region might be something that that the group would work on and, and the engine room would support. Um, so the Humber is open for business, but kind of doing that marketing piece, like the Humber is really open for business and here's, here's why and here's all of the exciting things that are happening. Um, of course, there's a free ports program, which is hoped that will also bring inward investment with it as well. Um, so I think, um, a bit of, oh, it sounds, probably less exciting but just working out how all the mechanics are going to work of all of this um, and making sure all of um, the partners are comfortable with that and we're um, supplementing not supplanting and actually that takes a little bit of time um, so I think yeah marketing and governance is probably um, what will happen over the next few months and after that then it will be looking at what initiatives that Opportunity Humber can support to accelerate and amplify so I think they're going to be the next sort of uh, activities for Opportunity Humber. 
Yeah, great. Sounds great. Um, in terms of uh, other regions, you touched on it there that it, it could be a model that other regions uh, look at potentially adopting. What what from setting up Opportunity Humber thus far would you say have been like the key learnings or the key lessons if, if other regions were looking to do the same sort of thing? Yeah, so the seniority of membership is what differentiates Opportunity Humber from other boards in the region. And this is what the government really liked, which is why Opportunity Humber was mentioned in the Leveling Up White Paper. So the board is chaired by Laxman Narasimhan from Ricketts. So he is, so you might not be familiar with Ricketts as a household name, but they make Dettol and other kind of personal um, hygiene type products. Um, and Laxman is seen as a really kind of attractive CEO, um, who is the face of Opportunity Humber at the moment. And, that has drawn other senior members from other anchor businesses within the region because it's seen as like, oh, this is something a bit different to perhaps the sort of day-to-day business as usual type boards that operate in any region. And I think with that, it has elevated Opportunity Humber to kind of this, oh, this is a senior level and we interface with government directly and former Minister Neil O'Brien attended um, the first board meeting, for example, um, and it has really kind of captured the interest of uh, of the government. So I think the lesson learned for other regions is speak to your anchor businesses and get one of your kind of big hitters to chair your board because that really elevates the activities of the board up the political agenda but also visibly and I think that's kind of my key that would be my key takeaway Um, and I would say you want a diversity of businesses so you don't just want to be oh well this is all the energy businesses it's kind of that diversity because I think diversity often yields the best outcomes and diversity in kind of type of business, people, um, academia, that kind of thing. I would say they were probably my biggest ones um, for if you wanted to, to do this. But you also said, where else would this apply? And I think it's anywhere that has a challenge that has thus far not been solved. And you need a different and fresh approach. I think... You know, it doesn't really matter what sort of scale this is at or what kind of the the problem is. I think it's bringing together the the strength of different organisations to solve a problem and having that kind of mission oriented approach. So we're all bought into the same vision and, you know, formed in the same values and we're working out together how best we can get there for the benefit of not just our business, but beyond. Mm, that's interesting. So it's not a case of a region being the sort of perfect size for something like this. They can be, it could be like a really small size uh, community or or would a region be too big, for example, to be able to do something like this? Or is it is it limitless? I, I think that you would need kind of strength in sort of your senior leadership if you're going for like a huge region. But but clearly, no, I would say that there is no no limit. I think 
the bigger the challenge, but either in kind of size of challenge or but also spatial location, you probably need more people and, and greater diversity to kind of represent that community um, or represent that region. But I wouldn't say that there's any kind of limit to this as a model. Mm, the sky's the limit. That's what we like to hear <laughs> on, the, on the Engineers Collective. Absolutely. Uh, that's wonderful. I, I think that's about all we have time for today, unfortunately. Um, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, it was it, thoroughly enjoyable and interesting to hear about my old uh, stomping ground. Thank you. Thank you to all our listeners as well for listening and tune in for the next episode of the Engineers Collective. The Engineers Collective is powered by Bentley Systems with industry-leading software solutions used by professionals in organisations of all sizes for the design, construction and operation of roads and bridges, rail and transit, water and wastewater, public works and utilities, buildings, campuses and industrial facilities. Bentley can help accelerate your digital transformation. To find out more, visit www.bentley.com forward slash The Engineers Collective.